We've been uh, diving into some uh, burning questions that you have asked. Uh, all the ones that we have addressed thus far have been questions that you have asked and ones that we continue to, to answer over the course of August will be ones that you have asked as well. And, uh, and so thank you for being willing to do that. Two questions that we asked you that are vital. Uh, again, is God's word true? Uh, and in, is what God has done for us enough? Uh, answers to those are vital that we come to understand that God's word is true and that what God has done for us is enough. And uh, we need to be willing to align ourselves with, with that and understand that as we believe that, as we follow that, as we live that, it will make a difference in every area and aspect of our life. And, uh, and so God's word being true and what God has done for us is enough, we come to even understand that these next few statements that, that we talked about last week a little bit and we continue to look at even uh, in our lives this morning, uh, I am a new creation of great worth. Um, if God's word is true, then that's true. Do I believe it? I am a new creation of great worth. I am deeply loved. I am completely forgiven. I am fully pleasing to God. I am totally accepted by God. I am absolutely complete in Christ. If you put your faith in Christ and Jesus, the beauty of these statements is, is that they are already true, but you, be, you have become aware of the truth of those, and it has transformed your life. And, and the awesome thing about God is, is that he sent his son to die, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So whether we want to accept this or whether we want to believe it or not, it doesn't change the fact that God has done what he has done for you, and he looks at you in a, in a way that, that is, is all of these things and even more. And what I know that, I know that because God's word is true. I know that because what God has done for me is enough. And so I rest in him in believing that his word is true and that what he's done for me is enough and that these statements of identity in my life can be very much a reality if I come to understand his love and put my faith and trust in his son, Jesus. How, do, how does that happen? Psalm 119.11, we talked about this last week. I have stored up in my heart, your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. I have stored up your word. So, so the question that we asked was, have you stored up God's word in your heart? Are you in the process of storing up God's word in your heart? How'd that go this week? Did you work at, at storing up God's word, God's treasure in your heart? Whether that was reading it, studying it, sharing it with a friend, memorizing it, just being still and listening to God's word being as he speaks to you. Uh, whatever way that was, how did it go? Did you do, did, how did, do you feel like, man, it went well this week? Or wow, there was a lot of roadblocks. Satan was doing everything he could to try to keep me from storing up God's word in my heart. Can I just say to you, welcome to reality. Um, he hates the fact that you would even attempt to try to store up God's word in your heart. Because he knows the impact that God's word can have in your soul if you're willing to store it up. And so what, he's going to do everything he can to throw you off. He's going to do everything he can to try to throw you uh, a curveball. And, and like we talked about last week, life 
it is not just a yellow brick flat road. It is a roller coaster that's crazy, insane, and fun, and great, and nuts, and terrifying all at the same time. And, and so don't be surprised that he's going to throw you curveballs, but the beauty of God is his word is greater. Why? Because he's greater. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. God is, is the winner. Uh, Satan is the loser. Um, he, I mean, so, so why wouldn't we want to store up his word in our heart, even though, yes, all of this stuff is coming at me? Why should we do that? Because I love what John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and check this out, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Those of you that have memorized scripture can, and I, I absolutely believe this is true because I know it's true in my own life, scripture that I have memorized, scripture that I have stored up in my heart, God at the exact right moment through the person of the Holy Spirit in my life brings to my remembrance verses from his word that bring comfort, that bring hope, that bring strength, that bring peace, that bring everything I need. For life and for godliness. Why, why do I know that? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power, guess what that is? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has granted us to all things that pertain to, guess what? Life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Why should I store up God's word in my heart? Because he gives you everything you need for life and godliness according to his word, and his Holy Spirit brings it to your remembrance. How many of you all have experienced that when you've been going through life, and maybe it's a temptation, or it's a struggle, or it's a whatever, and the Holy Spirit of God brings to your remembrance a verse from Scripture? How many of you can say that? Put your hands up in the air, wave them around like you just don't care. Look how many people. That's an amazing thing. That's an incredible thing, and God does that as we store up his word in our heart. The beauty of God is, is that he, he wants us to store up his word so that we can then go out and live by practice, practical theology. Because those are big words, practical theology. Um, another word is orthopraxy. Ooh, big word. Um, all it is, is living out your faith. Let's just make it simple. It's living out your faith. It's living out the word of God in your everyday life. And guess what? God's word applies to everyday life. And, and, and it's relevant today. Uh, just as it was relevant 2,000 years ago, it's relevant today. And it'll be relevant however many years that we got left. Um, and, and the beauty of God's word is, is that you can put it into practice today. Now. And he will bless. And, and he will do things in your life that are beyond what you can begin to think or even imagine. And, and that, that's the beauty of practical theology. That's the beauty of God's word is that it's alive and active. Why is it alive and active? Because God is alive and active. And it's his word. So, so why wouldn't I want to read it? Why wouldn't I want to study it? Why wouldn't I want to talk about it? Why wouldn't I want to memorize it? Why wouldn't I want to let it lead my life? So even, even a question like we're going to deal with today, does the Bible talk about life outside of earth? 
You're like, whoa. You mean like extraterrestrials and stuff? UFOs? Weird stuff like that? Does the Bible talk about that? Does the Bible talk about life outside of earth? Well, I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The short answer to does the Bible talk about life outside of earth is yes. Yes, it does. But it may not be in the way that you think it does. So let's find out. What, what does it say? Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. Underline that, circle that, whatever. The cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces, there it is again, circle that, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Life outside of this planet. Cosmic powers, spiritual forces, heavenly places. Welcome to the Twilight Zone. You know, it's interesting, the Twilight Zone, there was sort of a hint of truth in that, except that it's mixed up with a whole lot of messed up stuff. Is there something going on beyond us, beyond this world, beyond our sight, beyond what we can see? And the answer is yes. Yes, there is. And, and, and you and I are very much a part of it. You and I are very much a part of it because... These cosmic powers, these spiritual forces that are in the heavenly places, Satan, our great enemy, the, the devil, uh, is very much actively trying to destroy all of humanity, all of God's creation, all of, of what God has done and has made God, Satan is trying to undo all of that and you and I, most of the time, cannot see it. Most of the time, we are unaware of it. Most of the time, it's, it's going on around us, and we, don't even, we aren't even aware of it. How many of you have ever driven into a forest or into the woods at night? You ever done that? How many of you have ever done that? Okay. Um, I don't know about you. I've done that many times. And, and I, as I'm driving down whatever little path there might be or road or whatever that, that's been made for me to go, I can sort of see trees and stuff like that. Like I can sort of see what's going on around me, but I really can't. There's no ambient light. There's, the moon is not casting its light. There, it's dark, and I really can't see. And, and I go to bed... And then when I wake up in the morning, all around me is this canopy of wow. You, you know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever been to the beach and you've driven up toward the beach at night? 
How many of you ever done that? All right. Could you see the whole ocean? Could you see all the water? You could hear the waves crashing, but you couldn't see anything. And then you wake up in the morning, and it's like, whoa. There is a spiritual realm, a heavenly place that the Bible teaches is very real. It is an existence of immaterial spiritual reality unseen by human eyes. We understand the physical reality. We understand the physical plane that that we live in because all of us, uh, we understand the reality of our bodies and getting older. Anybody else? Understand that, okay? You look in the mirror and you're like, dude, there's more gray hair there. Uh, there where did that spot come from? Uh, you know, stuff like that. We understand that physical reality. We, we grab hold of that. Do you know there's some people who don't even agree with that? That believe that everything that we're going through, or this physical body even, is just an illusion. There's actual, like people literally believe that. And yet we have... This spiritual realm, this heavenly place the Bible talks about that consists of both good and evil, God and his angels, the devil and his demons. And we understand that these demons are likely fallen angels that rebelled against God, were thrown out of heaven. The Bible teaches that you and I as as human beings were created in the image of God. So that means if we're created in the image of God, we actually have within us a spiritual component, a spiritual part of us that we cannot see, that we cannot grab hold of. We're more than just physical entities, physical beings. We possess a soul. We have a soul that is destined for eternity. And even though the spiritual realm is invisible to our physical eye, we are connected to it. And what goes on in the spiritual realm directly impacts and influences our physical world. So, what we understand, what we come to understand is that the best and most prevalent evidence for that for the spiritual realm, is testimonial evidence. Think about this. We, we, we look at the sheer number of religions in this world and people who are in the billions focusing their lives on a spiritual realm. Do you think that it's possible that all of those people and the encounters that they've had on some spiritual plane are just dead wrong? And that it's not real. Even the, the Bible, the best evidence, the best testimonial evidence is the Word of God to this spiritual realm. Historians, Christian and non-Christians agree that the authoritative, authoritative authenticity of the Word of God is absolutely strong. And Jesus himself claimed to be God's Son The one who came down from heaven. John 8, verse 23. Jesus said to them, you are from below, I am from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. Many, many places, many, many places throughout scripture we see the curtain pulled back. 
we see the curtain pulled back and people are able to see the spiritual realm. This, this, what we just read in, in Ephesians chapter 6, this, this present darkness, this spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I want you to turn, if you would, keep a finger in Ephesians 6, but turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha, Elisha is, is, is being informed by God about the king of Syria, and it's freaking the king of Syria out. Verse 8, once when the king of Syria, this is 2 Kings chapter 6, once, in verse 8, once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. I don't know if you've ever noticed, it's amazing to me how in the word of God, especially in the Old Testament, over and over again, it says, at such and such a place. It's amazing how many times it's in there. But here's one of those. King of Syria is saying, at such and such a place, we shall make camp. Verse 9, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. How did he know that? Because God told him. God told Elisha this. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So this happened multiple times. Verse 11. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Who of you are spying for the king of Israel? Who are you? Who, which one of you is telling the king of Israel where we're going and what time we're getting there? What, this is messed up. One of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> Can you imagine being the king of Syria? I'd be freaking out. Like, what? And he said, go and see where he is that I may send. This is the king of Syria. Go and see where he is. Send and seize him. He wants to get rid of him. Of course. Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent three horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So picture this. They're in, a, they're in Dothan. It's surrounded by a great army, an actual army from Syria. To do what? To get Elisha to kill him. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, check this out, he said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What? Can you imagine being this guy? What? What? Wait, what are you talking about? The only army I see out there, Elisha, is the Syrian army. That's it. Elisha's like, nah, don't worry. The army that is on our side is greater than that army. Oh, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. What shall we do? Verse 16, he said, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain, wow, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against them, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way. This is not the city. (laughs) Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. He completely, God used Elisha to completely trick the king of Syria. But what's beautiful is, is that this young man who was there with him could not see what was going on in the spiritual realm. And Elisha's like, we have got an army that far outweighs this army. He prayed and asked God. God opened up the kid's eyes and he saw. He saw the spiritual realm. He saw what was going on all around him. And he, Elisha, was not afraid. Do not fear. Young man was, oh man, what are we going to do? Elisha, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God's got this. He's in control. And we see this over and over and over again throughout the Word of God. Where, where, where either an army or an individual, I was just reading last night and, and about David in Chronicles, and he saw an angel with a, a sword over Israel. And, and God had opened up his eyes to that. Mary is, is confronted by an angel of God. The, the shepherds out in the hills, the angels of God come to him, to them. We see this over and over and over again where the, the, the spiritual realm meets the physical realm and, and individuals' eyes are open to it. And here's, check this out. This might scare you a little bit, but if it does, oh well, you'll get over it. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Check this out. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Check this out. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Y'all, right now, you may be sitting next to an angel. Some of you are like, there is no way. (laughs) There is no way that person next to me is an angel. There is just no way. Strangers. Notice it says, show love to strangers because you may have entertained an angel unaware. There may be people sitting near you that are new here today, and maybe they are an angel sent by God. If you are, welcome. <laughs> um, wow. We are glad you were here. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, seriously, we don't know. That's, that, that may freak you out, but that should also be challenging to us that, oh, my goodness. There, there, literally, someone that comes across my path could literally be an angel of God that we're not even aware of. And we know the angels take human form. We see that all, all throughout the word of God. Abraham and Lot, these angels that come to them. We, we see this everywhere. Do you think that in Beauty and the Beast, that the idea of an old hag coming to the door and then turning into an enchantress was somehow just made up? Like, where do you think they might have gotten that, in, that inspiration from? 
Oh, entertaining angels unaware. Man, there's nothing new under the sun. Listen, listen. We may be entertaining angels unaware and not even, I mean, so think about that. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a country and we are in a, a place that was so, there, there was, I don't know how many thousands, but there was thousands of people in this place. This may scare you a little bit, and I, and I apologize if it does. We're in this place. There's six of us. One of the team members is, is one, a young lady from the United States. We're in this market. This guy in white, he, he, was, he had a loincloth and had white paint on different parts of his body. He runs up to her, and he says to her, I know your mother. We, we're in a, a city of 40 million people. We are six individuals in a market of thousands. He runs up to her and says, I know your mother. She says, what do you mean? She says, I know your mother. And then he names the mother. You know what the freaky thing is? Is that her mother had died three weeks prior to that trip. Y'all, that, that is not normal. That is supernatural. That is not, like, I'm serious, we're on the other side of the, of the planet, never have met this individual, never saw him again. He left in as fast a hurry as he came in, and it, it was a moment where it was like the presence of, of evil was right there. And those of you that know what, what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. A presence of evil that you can, just cannot explain. Listen, there is a spiritual battle, a spiritual realm going on all around us. So where does that leave extraterrestrials, aliens, creatures from other planets? I want to warn you with this, and and I realize we're closing, getting close on time, but here we go. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Listen, I I met a young man when I was a youth pastor who literally believed in a flying, one-eyed spaghetti monster. I'm not not even joking. And, And what's crazy about it is they have created a religion around that that is, this, and this is the name of it. It's coming up on the screen. Pasta Fenarianism. It, there are tens of thousands of people that follow that. Do, do you think that Satan might be trying to deceive people into believing something like a flying spaghetti monster over the one true living God and somehow so that they would miss all of eternity and spend it separated from God. Absolutely, I believe that he would do that. And this young man felt very strongly about, and we talked about, well, what happens after you die? And here's what he said to me. He said, one half of my soul, one half of my soul will be reincarnated to something else here on this planet. And the other half of my soul will go to heaven. We didn't get into what is heaven. All I can imagine is a lot of meatballs. Um, but anyway, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Um, and and so, so he was serious. 
half reincarnated, half going to heaven. And then he told me that somewhere in the future, the two halves will come back together. He literally believed that. And, and, and I'm telling you, what, what does this verse say? Don't be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of this world, not according to Christ. See, what you and I have as human beings, we try to wrap our minds around the spiritual, around the unseen, around the things that we just cannot explain. And we try to put human terms to that, like multidimensional and, and, and alien and all these other things. Is it possible that alien encounters, what people have actually seen, is God opening up the curtain and there are demons that God has, for whatever reason, individuals are seeing demonic demons standing in front of them. Have you ever read the Bible and read about what seraphim seraphim look like? Read the Bible and see what seraphim look like. In Isaiah, he describes it. Six wings. Six wings that cover their bodies. And, 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 and then, like, there's other angels that have eyes all over their... Like, you look at that and you go, whoa, that's, that'd be weird to see. Is it possible that what, what we see here in this life is actually God opening, or Satan even opening up, that spiritual realm, that curtain... And letting people see it. And it freaks them out. Of course. Why wouldn't Satan want to do something that's going to cause fear? Why, why wouldn't Satan want to do something that's going to cause people to be afraid to even go outside? Why wouldn't Satan use something that possibly our world would use someday to explain? What just happened to three point some odd billion people on this planet? Where'd they all go? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where did they all go? Alien invasion. They took them away. You, you think I'm crazy? I'm, I'm telling you, I believe that that is what is happening. And what is that according to? That is not according to Christ. That is according to human tradition. Elemental spirits of this world. And what happens if it ends up that there's life in other planets? What happens if it ends up that there is extraterrestrials? Does that change anything? Here's the deal. It doesn't change a thing. Jesus is still the Savior of the world. Jesus is still the only way to heaven. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nothing has changed. God is still God. God is still in control. God is still the maker and creator of all things. So what do we do? Colossians 2.8, I remind you of this. Do not be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, circle this, not according to Christ. Do not fall hook, line, and sinker for what is going on around us. Because, and I think even sometimes we give Satan way too much credit. 
way too much credit. Now, he is a created thing that God is absolutely in control of. And, and so even Matthew 24, 24, I'll leave you with this because we're going to talk more about this next week. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, and what's, what, is, what is implied here is lead astray people. And he says, even the elect, even those who are children of God. Listen, we have an enemy who, yes, is powerful. He's not all-powerful. He's, he's smart, but he's not all-knowing. He's in a lot of places, but he's not all-present. We have a God who is almighty. We have a God who is all-knowing. We have a God who is everywhere. And that, my friends, is who we must trust and lean into. Why hide God's word in your heart? Because we serve an awesome God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you're in control of all things. God, thank you that we can trust you and know that what's happening around us in this world, stuff that, that people are bringing forward. God, even, even the reality that, that, that maybe people are seeing these things, maybe this is real, maybe it's true, doesn't change who you are. Doesn't change a thing about who you are. God, would you help us to trust you? But would you also help us, to, even as we're challenged today, to show love even to strangers? Because those strangers could be literally an angel sent by you. God, I pray that you would help us. Help us, first of all, number one, if we don't know you, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would help us to be willing to say yes to you. Put our faith and trust in you, Jesus, because you're the answer no matter what is happening in this world. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Just a reminder, there's people here at the front, people at the back. We would love to be able to pray with you. So as we're singing this final song, and you're going to be standing here, if you would, go ahead and stand. Let's sing, and, uh, and as you need, come forward or go to the back, or you can just turn to somebody and ask them to pray for you, and they'd be glad to do that.